nine minutes. My snooze button gives me nine minutes. Nine, nine minutes is not a snooze. 90 minutes. That's a snooze. Has, has anyone ever woken up from the nine minutes refreshed? Oh, I was exhausted nine minutes ago, but now, right as rain. Thank you, Gary Gullman. At the end of this nine minutes, hopefully you'll be a little bit more informed about sleep. Hey, it's Neil Headley. Welcome to the Snooze Button Express. Episode four, we take you into the lab. I was working in the lab. I was sleeping in the lab, actually, is what happened. And you're going to meet my sleep doctor, Dr. Mark Boulas from Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. How'd you sleep last night? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I am a medical researcher, and I was up really late last night, actually. I went to bed at 3, but I was fortunate enough to be able to, to, be able to sleep in today. So I went to bed at 3, but I actually woke up at around, I'm trying to think here, at around noon. Because uh, I was feeling really, really, really wiped from a very busy week of my, with my kids. So right. I got about nine hours of sleep last night. But I'm on call in a couple hours on emergency stroke call at my hospital. So I want to be wide awake. And I'm feeling pretty good right now. So am, am I as messed up as I think I am? Well, that's, that's a pretty hard question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's just, let's just get to this. Let's do the unveil here. I came in for my sleep study and, and with the caveat that I think I, um, I think I was awakened to go to work at about three or three fifteen in the morning, as I recall, how did I do? What's the, what do you, what do we see? You did pretty good. So I'll show you the results over here. Uh, you were in bed for about, well, you were in bed for five hours and 17 minutes and you actually slept for four hours and 27 minutes. So what we do is we get something called the sleep efficiency, which is the time you're asleep, which is really the ratio of the time you were asleep versus the time you were in bed. And yours was 85%. So that's, that's pretty good. Really? So you actually slept for 85% of the night. A lot of people will say, I was in the sleep lab and I don't think I slept at all. But, the tr but usually there is some, some degree of sleep. That okay, so before you go any farther, let me throw this in. And, and don't, I apologize in advance if I, if I stop you periodically during the recap of this. So my, my sense of it that night was that I got, I, I maybe got an hour to an hour and a half. That's what I felt like personally. There is this uh, phenomenon of sleep state misperception. So the word is that you could be in bed and think you're not sleeping, whereas you actually really are sleeping. And that's a common reason why people report fewer hours of sleep compared to what they objectively get. So, you know, what you feel you got is often less than what you really got. So the good news is, yay, I slept twice as much as on the average night. But my average night now, it turns out, is four and a half hours, which is still crap in terms of cognition and how much sleep we actually need and all those kinds of things, right? Like I shouldn't be looking and going, yay, I'm getting four hours. I'm done with this whole project. Well, we woke you up a little earlier here, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because I think your lights on time was three in the morning here. and that Which might is normal for me. This is normal for you, okay. That's because that's when I, you know, five five days a week, that's when I wake up to go to work. Right, wow. So, uh, so yeah, so four and a half hours of sleep. We usually recommend people to get at least six hours of sleep, but sometimes people need more. And the American Academy of Sleep Medicine actually recommends about eight hours of sleep for most adults, you know. So that's usually where we're sitting at here. 
So it's tough, right? Because you've got a, you're doing great in your job and you've got the successful career going and everything. Can you write that part down for me? Great career, <laughs> doing great job. <laughs> <laughs> sure, what's the number for your boss? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so what else am I looking at? So I slept for four and a half hours. What else do you, do you see? We have the distribution of your, of your sleep stages here. So, so your N1 sleep, which is your first stage of sleep, was about 15%. Mm-hmm. That's a snudge higher than we would... Um, then we would, um, you know, then, 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 then that would be normal. But that's probably because, you're, again, you're in this artificial environment in the lab. Mm-hmm. Then your slow wave sleep, which is, remember that stage of sleep we were talking about, clears of the toxin, yours is pretty low. Yours is at a 1%. Usually it's closer to about 20% or so. Okay, so correct me if I overstate this, but the stage of the sleep that is going to help me in staving off dementia, Alzheimer's, all these sorts of things, I'm getting one twentieth of the amount of sleep that I should if my goal is to hold that stuff off. Right. Now, some of it is that... (laughs) Man, okay. (laughs) I know, it's tough, eh? It's tough. Wow. But you know what? We were going to talk about a few other things that may actually help improve this, right? Okay. Because there are... There are reasons why you're not going all the way into these deeper stages of sleep. So the next things that we look at here are the number of times you stop breathing in your sleep, the number of times you kick your legs in your sleep. Okay. You stop breathing in your sleep. We have this number here called the apnea hypopnea index, and that's 0.9 per hour. So for you, you don't have, um, you know, you basically you don't have that much in the way of obstructive central events or hypopneas with desaturation, which means that your body actually maintains a very good oxygenation throughout the night. And in fact, we do see that because your oxygen levels only go down to 92%. That's, and that's normal. So no sleep apnea then? No, no sleep apnea in that sense. But you do have these things called, again, these hypopneas with arousal that is causing this other number here, this respiratory disturbance index to be a little bit high. So I'll tell you what I think that's coming from. So you do have some pauses in breathing that are waking you up intermittently throughout the night. And this is 15.7 times per hour. And I think that's probably linked up with your leg movements. Here it comes. Okay. This is what Mrs. Headley and also, uh, you see, this is something that your Fitbit won't pick up, right? Mm -hmm. So because your Fitbit's not measuring, um, not measuring, you know, leg movements. Right. But what, what, what you told me about Mrs. Headley uh, commenting that you're kicking your legs in your sleep, well, we, we do find that you have 81.8 periodic limb movements per hour. 81 an hour. Right. So every roughly every 45 seconds or so, I kick one of my you legs. You seem to kick your legs in a periodic fashion. Wow. So, Neil, what you actually have is restless leg syndrome. Um, these uncomfortable feelings, and we'll just talk about that, like how do we diagnose someone with restless leg syndrome, but these uncomfortable feelings occurring at night, it's basically like an urge to move your legs. Yours can also be treated with medications. And there are different medications that can actually uh, help settle down the leg movement. So they are, they're often quite effective for both, you know, relaxing the leg movements at night, for, uh, you know, addressing these restless legs feelings at night, as well as getting rid of the actual limb movements at night so you're not kicking and affecting that partner like Mrs. Headley. Okay. All right. This is, I, I, I like the homework. This is good. This is a good start. And, and I can't thank you enough for this. 
this this was oh. enlightening. Hopefully, in hearing you and I talk specifically about what's going on with me, hopefully that turned a light on for somebody else. But if we want to circle back around to one major point, is that if you're having sleep trouble, don't suffer in silence. Go get it looked at. Right. Absolutely. That that's such an important point. The medical world is here to help you out, and there's a lot of I think there's a lot of diseases we can prevent down the line, like stroke dementia, heart attacks, God forbid, all these unfortunate things. Even some emerging work is suggesting even cancer is linked up with poor sleep too. So, you know, get it checked out. You have nothing to lose, you know? And, um, and really, I really do believe that as we, as we increase awareness for sleep problems throughout all of society, we're going to really do a lot of good. Mark, this was amazing. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Mark Bula, Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto, my sleep doctor. And we'll touch base with him again soon. If you go to the snoozebutton.com, you'll find a much longer version of this episode with a whole ton more information and a lot more detail. It's there. We'll get back together next week for another episode that features Dr. Linnell Schneeberg from Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Until then, my name is Neil Headley. This is the Snooze Button Express podcast. Get some sleep, would you? 